Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 548 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am Jason Evans. Joining me today, Donald Wine and Sam Klein is bright and early on a Monday morning, even though most of you probably aren't listening to this until several hours after we've already recorded it. That's just the way it works. If news has happened, we can't be responsible for what's happened over the past few hours. <laughs> Donald, you how are you doing like, this morning? You might get like... You might get like 15 podcasts in the next three hours. You don't know. Yeah, this, exactly. this, this is what this is what live TV is all about, isn't it, Jason? Amen, brother. Amen. And Sam Klein. Sam, how are you this fine Monday morning? I, I don't have time for for 15 news stories to break today about Duke basketball. So uh, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen. But but we're recording this from the past. So we'll see. The, the, the news has been coming fast and furious lately. I, I do want to quickly caveat on our last episode. We mentioned that we expected we would get a commitment from Cooper Flag, whether to Duke or to someplace else. We're not necessarily making predictions, even though everyone says it's going to be Duke. Uh, it did not happen because there was a terrible tragedy. I'm sure all of you heard about in the state of Maine, um, a mass shooting. Cooper Flag is from Maine, even though he wasn't in Maine at the moment. But he was like, "Look, there are bigger things than me picking a school." And and uh, and so he's delayed his announcement. And once that happens again, it'll be something that we on the DBR podcast will hop on and talk about as soon as it happens. But that's why, you know, we sort of thought we were probably going to have an episode over the weekend to discuss that. And then it didn't happen. And so now we here we are on Monday morning. Um, and if it feels stale, you know, hey, sorry, guys, that's just the way it works. But our first topic on the table, 
is something that came out um, late in the week last week uh, that we do need to discuss, and that is the ACC uh, released their preseason polls. They spoke to 51 members of the ACC media, and they asked them a series of questions. Where do you think all the different teams will finish this year? Who should be the player of the year? Who should be on the first team, second team, all ACC preseason list, and the ACC preseason rookie of the year? Let's start, guys, with the entire conference. Everybody, all 15 teams, the ACC preseason poll has ranked them. They have picked the Duke Blue Devils. 44 of the folks who voted in the poll said that Duke should be the number one team in the ACC in the preseason. We are the overwhelming selection to be the number one team. Miami was next. They had five first place votes and they came in uh, well back of Duke. Just slightly behind Miami was North Carolina with one first place vote. And then the other first place vote went to the fourth place team, Virginia. I'll go ahead and mention a couple other interesting ones. Clemson comes in fifth, and they're pretty close to Virginia in this poll. Looks like a lot of people think this could be a very good year for Clemson. Clemson could be getting perhaps the the double buy. Uh, a little bit further down in the poll, like Syracuse is 10th, Louisville's 14th, Notre Dame 15th. Uh, you know, teams that in the past have been really good for the ACC continue to suck. Florida State is 11th. You know, these are teams, the teams I just mentioned are teams that for a long, long time have been you know, teams knocking around the top 25 in the nation. And here they are, you know, in the bottom five or six of the ACC. Sam, I'll come to you first. What, you know, what's your takeaway from just the uh, preseason poll and the rankings of uh, that the sports writers at least think of the ACC this year? If you look at the first place votes, Duke clearly the favorite according to the writers, but the writers all high on Duke, Miami and North Carolina. Uh, all of whom had had somewhat divergent paths last year. But I think the takeaway you could have for any of them is there's no reason they couldn't all be really good coming into this season. Uh, Miami brings back a number of guys who went to the final four last year. North Carolina had their, uh, had their issues last season, but they bring back a, you know, all American candidate in Armando Baycott and a few other guys who are, who are going to be very strong. Like, well, look, we'll, we'll, dog unc to to the end of time but uh unc's got got talent on their team and and i would not be surprised if by the time duke and carolina face each other in february both of them are top 10 teams and and playing pretty well so none of that is supply, surprising and i would not read this as duke is the you know far runaway favorite duke is definitely the favorite in the acc this year there's no question right duke duke brings back the most talent duke doesn't bring back you know the most Final Four experience, um, but Duke brings back the most talent and brings in the healthiest amount of talent. I know we'll get to the to the uh, individual player preseason awards, but um, where where we will talk about a number of guys that that uh, got tapped for Duke. But this sort of aligns to what I would have expected uh, for Duke this season. We've talked about how high we are on this team coming into the year and how a lot of our our questions about the, you know, the the transition to the John Shire era have, have mostly been answered at this point. So I, I think coming into last year, I was thinking, let's just knock down the expectations in general, because we really just don't know what kind of head coach John Shire is going to be. We don't know how he's going to deal with whatever adversity is coming. And look, Duke, Duke didn't have, you know, its greatest season last year. But for the most part, I feel like Shire answered the questions that fans and the writers would have about can he manage the expectations can he 
you know, can he maintain the level of excellence with this program? And the answer from the writers this year is, yep, seems like Duke is just back to being Duke. And that is a pretty cool feeling on the, on the teams at the bottom. Uh, you pointed out Syracuse who's, who's got a new head coach this year for the first time in almost Jason's life. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> like not even kidding. Almost in Jason's life. This is the first time Syracuse has had a new head coach. Uh, and and a lot of other sort of changes going on down there. But Louisville is going to be the one that I'm curious to see. Louisville was so, so, so bad last year. Like Louisville was was like, you know, worst power five team by a little bit bad last year. And they're not predicted to finish last in the conference this year. So um, so there's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stories, even even at the bottom of the ACC. But as we talked about, uh, when it came to non-conference scheduling and we looked at the Ken Palm previews, overall, the the outlook for the ACC is not great. So uh, a lot to prove for the middle and bottom of the conference in the early season. For Duke, I think it makes sense because when you are the reigning ACC tournament champions and you bring back almost everybody, yeah, you should be listed as the team to beat in the ACC. And that makes a lot of sense how it shaped up and sure you're going to have teams that are going to challenge you for it. I think Miami is going to be a great team. I, you know, I guys, uh, I, I like to follow them as well um, during the season to make sure that they're not beating us, but are right up there with us. And, and I think that's going to be the case. And then you would see, yeah, they're, they're bringing back Armando Baycat. They're bringing, you know, they have a couple of freshmen in that are really good and you can't ever discount that, especially when they know, that we had the target on our back from the rest of the ACC. They love trying to do, you know, pick us off uh, when we're the team to beat, just like with they're at the top, we're, we're, we're trying to go after them. That's why the rivalry is so great. And and I think those three teams are going to be in it at the end. I think when you look at the bottom of the conference, you mentioned a couple of teams, Sam, that I was going to talk about. I think, I don't know that the writers understand how to handle some of these teams with new coaches because they haven't had to. Right, Syracuse. You haven't had to deal with a a non Jim Beheim led team in a very long time. Notre Dame is at the very bottom of this list. They just, you know, maybe they're changing coaches after what twenty three years. So it's 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 something where you you kind of have to you know take those at arm's length because you're not quite sure what kind of team you're going to get in these new things. I know, I, Jason. I think Josh Pastner just left. Georgia Tech, if I'm yes, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech has Damon Stoudemire is the coach at Georgia Tech now. Yeah, there's three new coaches in the ACC: Syracuse, Georgia Tech, uh, Notre Dame, and and Louisville and Duke are on guys who are just in their second year. Right, and so three of those the the three teams that have new coaches are are picked to finish in the bottom half of the ACC, if not the bottom of the ACC. So it's kind of hard to predict how that's going to work. I predict that one of these teams, not necessarily the teams that we just mentioned, but one of these teams from the bottom of the ACC may surprise some folks and get towards the like middle of the pack. Conversely, I think there's going to be someone who's rated in the top half of the ACC that might, you know, underwhelm and, and not live up to their expectations. But I think in the case of Duke, we, we've, we set those expectations back in late April when we found out that everybody and their mother was coming back. I, I, I don't expect that to change. I think, you know, Duke, being the top of the ACC makes sense. It's right. And I think more importantly, I think this team is ready to embrace that role as the dogs of the conference and to take everyone's best shot. 
Guys, let's move on very quickly to the first team and second team. Actually, you know what? Before we even get to that, we'll do the preseason player of the year because it sort of naturally flows into the first team, second team, and the such. Kyle Filipowski of Duke was named the uh, ACC preseason player of the year. He is the first Dukey to be named ACC preseason player of the year since Paulo Bancaro two years ago. <laughs> the last time Duke was picked to finish first in the conference. Right, exactly. Exactly, right. Yeah, so this is something that happens fairly often to Duke's best player, that they end up being the preseason pick to to be the top player in the conference. No surprise at all that it's Flip. I, I suppose there's, you know, the, uh, Armando Baycott came in second. Flip had 35 votes for pre- player of the year. Baycott came in second with 13. P.J. Hall then had two votes, and Tyrese Proctor uh, actually got a vote for preseason player of the year, um, the, the the fourth player on the list, the only other player on the on the list other than those guys I already mentioned. So, uh, you know, again, not a big surprise that Flip is in there. Baycott won it last year in the preseason but did not win it during the regular season. Uh, his regular season was a little underwhelming, and so, you know, I, I see exactly why Flip is up there based on the year he had last year and the fact that sophomores tend to be better than freshmen (laughs) it is not at all surprising i think that flip is at the top of that list i'll tell you something interesting about this when you look at that list i only see two sophomores and the other guys are upperclassmen no freshmen got uh, votes for acc preseason player of the year and this is a conference you know primarily led by duke but other programs too that have brought in five-star talent in recent years that have gotten that preseason all ACC you know preseason uh, ACC player of the year nod and you know 10 years ago this was like unheard of right the the writers back then were much more like hey let's wait and see before they play any college games now the top recruits get get covered you know as much as anybody in sport so everybody knows who Paulo Bancaro is before he arrives on campus and they know that he's going to be good the 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 odds of that working out just seem to be higher nowadays but in this list, you don't see any freshmen, which speaks, I think, to the quality of of returning players like Filipowski and Baycott, but also that I don't think the ACC has the kind of, uh, like, there are good freshmen in the ACC, and, and we're going to talk about how Duke doesn't even have the ACC freshman of the year preseason on the team, but none of the, none of the freshmen coming in are Paulo Bancaro. None of them are are Zion Williamson. And it, it's a, a little bit of a departure from recent years. I think for me, in the case of Kyle Filipowski, as I've mentioned last year, we got one of the best players in the country and he had one half of a hip. I guess, you know, yeah. maybe maybe one half of one hip times one half of the other hip equals one total hip. Now we have two hip flip. And coming back, and, and of course, all the reports we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, some of the things that have come out over the weekend, but what we've seen from him so far this preseason, man looks strong. And, you know, he's a preseason All-American alongside Armando Baycott. I, I believe with the first team, he got 51 votes, and that's a that's a unanimous pick because um, there's only 51 people who vote for this. And so him being, you know, a unanimous pick for first team and being the preseason player of the year, I, I think, again, Kyle Filipowski deserves all that. And it, for him, I think he's ready to even take it to a new height. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how he reacts on the floor to this. We get to see that for the first time this week. Yeah, let's get to that first team. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, Flip comes in uh, at the top of the first team with 51 votes. Baycott, Armando Baycott of UNC, got 50 votes. Then P.J. Hall of Clemson, Reese Beekman from Virginia, and uh, Norchad Omir from Miami. I, I had predicted 
uh, prior to the list coming out who the ACC first team would be. And I had Flip, Baycott, P.J. Hall, and Reese Beekman. I was wrong about no Chad Omier. I had his teammate, Nigel Pack, who is on the second team, one of the leading vote getters on the second team. But uh, And that second team, just you know, for the record, Judah Mintz of Syracuse, Nigel Pack, Blake Henson of Pitt, Tyrese Proctor comes in on the second team, and then Quinton Post of Boston College. Other than Quinton Post, this is a this is a list that is almost exclusively comprised of guys, you know, at the top of the conference for the most part. And, uh, you know, from teams that are largely seen as at the top of the conference, I should say. Not a surprise at all that you would have the best players on the best teams. I, I, I almost feel like, by the way, people are sleeping a little bit on P.J. Hall of Clemson. I, I wouldn't be shy. If you ask me right now, you know, who's your surprise pick? to be ACC player of the year. I actually think it's possible that Duke has so many weapons that flip doesn't shine as much as you might think. Uh, and, and I actually think that on North Carolina, Armando Baycott may be outshined a little bit by Elliot Cadeau. I think PJ Hall has a really good chance to win ACC regular season, you know, the real player of the year as opposed to the preseason one. I, I think in the case of these two teams, the first thing that I look at is that all these guys, as you mentioned, Jason, they may almost all of them come from good teams, but they're all known co- commodities. Every like everyone who follows ACC basketball knows who all ten names on this on this list are, and I think that's good for the ACC because you, you know Donald really quick. The, yeah, the, the least accomplished of them is almost certainly Tyrese Proctor, right? Like, but at you least know, you know I, his I, name, right? Like he, right, of course, a guy of course, that yeah. everyone knows. And I think in the case of the ACC, when we talk about this world where a lot of people are losing college players to the NBA we kept most of the, the conference kept most of their stars that's apparent in this list that a lot of these guys ended up coming back I mean some of the guys that are missing from last year were upperclassmen that ended up graduating you know like the Isaiah Wongs of the world who had who finally ran out of eligibility and decided to you know turn pro so you have a lot of guys that are coming back and I think the ACC hopefully will shine in the sense that these guys are going to get their names even further out there than they already are. I think in the case of PJ Hall and, and some of the other guys on this list, Jason, that are not at the very, very top of the ACC on teams, you know, towards the top. I think their candidacy for the end of season awards will always be based on how good their team is. The ACC does not do things like give you know Shohei Otani the MVP when the Angels are in fourth place. That's not going to happen in this league. It's going to be a team that's going to be in the top half-ish of the ACC, maybe top three or four, that's really going to have a shot. And if Cal Filipowski, even if Cal Filipowski doesn't quite shine on there, P.J. Hall is going to have to kind of lift Clemson into that top three role where people go, oh, Clemson is a really good basketball team, and it is because of this guy, P.J. Hall, putting the team on his back. That's the way that he gets to the top. And I'm, for in this case of Clemson, I'm not sure if we're going to see that. It's just one of those things where Clemson sometimes is very, very good. And then sometimes they drop off very hard. I'm interested to see what Clemson Tiger basketball team we get this season. I I would say as a reframing of Jason's point about PJ Hall, to me, PJ Hall seems the most likely to end up on the all ACC first team uh, of, of anybody on on these Mm -hmm. teams, because, because to your point, Jason, Kyle Filipowski could come back this year. His, Numbers could go down, his NBA draft stock could go up, and he could end up not on the ACC first team because 
some combination of Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, Jared McCain, and and Caleb Foster all balled out for Duke and and took that that first team spot away from him. Yeah, it could happen. Hey, uh, you know, we haven't really talked very much about you just mentioned Jeremy McCain, but we haven't talked a lot about rookies of the year. The uh, technically, I think it's sort of freshman of the year, but you know, uh, the ACC voted a non dookie as the rookie of the year in the preseason, which which is pretty How dare unusual. They? Doesn't that, happen very often anymore. It does not happen. They're very mean. Often. <laughs> but they have selected Elliot Cado of North Carolina, the the point guard who reclassified from the class of uh, 2024 to, to be here a year early, you know, whatever the deal is with him. Dude is supposed to be a absolute ridiculous passer. And apparently in their preseason games, he's already just putting on a show. Um, and, and also a guy who pushes the pace that he's going to have Carolina running, running, running. He was the overwhelming selection as the preseason rookie of the year ahead of Jared McCain. Cadeau had 40 votes. McCain had six. Caleb Foster was in third place with three votes. And then there was some dude from BC and Pitt who each got one vote. But uh, Sam, I want to come to you with this. It, is this a product of Elliot Cadeau being that good? Or is this a product of the fact that Duke has so many guys back that McCain and Foster are not going to be counted on to be showcased the way stud freshmen at Duke usually are. I think it's a little of both. I haven't, uh, you know, watched the tape on Elliot Caddo, but he, look, he comes in uh, higher rated on the, you know, on the, on the consensus two, four, seven ratings than anyone that Duke yeah. has brought. So by that metric, I guess you would say that he's, he's most likely to have an impact and look for Duke. There's, I mean, North Carolina has has returning talent, but Duke in particular has returning talent. If you if you think about, you know, maybe Duke's like Duke's two best freshmen are probably going to be McCain and Foster, uh, just given what we've heard in the, um, you know, in the preseason and, and the footage we've seen of Sean Stewart and TJ Power. I think that Foster and McCain are a little ahead of those two and are likely to be higher impact, especially early in the season. Those two guys are are both playing next to and or behind Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor, both of whom have have experience and are and are well regarded uh, on the wing at the point guard position. So they're they're playing in a little bit more of a crowded field than Cado is. Not to say that North Carolina doesn't have a lot of talent coming back. It's just a little bit of a different scenario. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if you know the the end of season rankings for this award come out very similar to the preseason given the vote splitting that hopefully will happen given that duke is likely to have multiple impact freshmen i i think in the case of cato it's it's he's going to have more opportunities to start more opportunities to play more minutes more opportunities to have the ball in his hands and more opportunities to you know give that impression that yes i am the best freshman in this league and that's no shake on him and that's no shake on on Caleb Foster and Jeremy McCain, they're just not going to have as many opportunities, at least in the short term, because they're not expected to start. And I think, or in the case of Jeremy McCain, he might start a couple of games. We've heard that he, he might be that fifth starter. Uh, but for Caleb Foster, you know, it's going to be a situation where he's probably coming off the bench, but still going to get some minutes. But when you look at this thing, they don't give that award to six men unless there's no freshman really like contributing as a starter. That's just how that works. I do want to point out there is one guy on this list that is a kind of a blast from the past and has made me feel a little old this morning. And that is Donald Han Jr. 
whose dad played at Virginia from 1997 to 2001. My freshman year, I got to torment him uh, in, in Cameron when Duke beat a, num- a top 10 ranked Virginia team by 40. I think it was the first time that it ever happened. Uh, and yes, Donald Hand apparently has a kid who is now in college. I am now officially old. I remember uh, Donald, like, obviously this is before I was in school, but I do remember uh, Donald Hand at Virginia. So um, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. How did Donald Hand's son not end up going to Virginia? What 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 did they? Uh, it doesn't always happen. Look, he, you know, he probably he probably he probably shoots the ball a lot more. Like he probably actually scores more than four points a game. So <laughs> it doesn't quite fit. Jason, Jason, while while Duke is waiting for commitment from two of Carlos Boozer's sons, yeah, uh, why don't you just go ahead and jinx that thing right out of here? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> sounds like sounds like the Boozers are going to Kentucky. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, I may have blown it there. That that'd be a. That, I, I, that, did I just do that to us? I think I did. I, I didn't. I didn't bring this upon you. You brought it upon yourself. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, Duke played a secret scrimmage against Villanova. And the results were actually really secret, which is a rarity in this day and age. We're going to talk about it on the other side after the break. Stick with us. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Wow, the year feels like it's flown by. As we enter the summer, it is the time to take note of the wins that life has brought you. And it's a good time to make adjustments for the rest of 2024. Talking to someone about those wins and improvements can help you recalibrate and give you something to focus on for the remaining months of the year. That's right, Donald. That's where BetterHelp can provide the alley-oop. Getting advice from a therapist can help you keep the focus on the good things in life and learn how to handle the hard better. It's online, it's flexible, and you get to fit it within your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched to a professional that can serve as your guide and you can switch anytime you wish. So if you need help setting those goals to carry you through 2024, try BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash dukebb, that's D-U-K-E-B-B, today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash dukebb. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
We're back from the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about Duke's secret scrimmage with Villanova. Mostly, these secret scrimmages tend to be not that secret. In fact, some of them are televised. <laughs> Nowadays, they're they're turning them rather than secret scrimmages, they're, they're becoming charity exhibitions. And uh, but Duke held a secret scrimmage uh, that we believe was in Washington D.C. on Saturday against the Villanova Wildcats. You may recall that Duke and Villanova did the same thing a couple years ago. Duke released a couple photos from the secret scrimmage. Other than that, it has been incredibly tight-lipped. I mean, if you follow basketball Twitter, virtually every other secret scrimmage that happens, you get like a score. Usually you get like a couple guys who are the high scorers and stuff. Sometimes you get a box score. Not this one. I, you know, I don't know why, but apparently Duke and Villanova agreed. We're going to keep this stuff very, very quiet. And and to be fair, Jason, it's not something that has gone on for a long time, right? Like we've had the secret scrimmages before, but this whole thing about like getting box scores or even like having some reporters kind of leak what the quote final score was, uh, that is a more recent thing. And even last year, you mentioned Duke went so far as to put out a box score uh, when they played Houston in that scrimmage. And right. And when there was not a great scrimmage, or at least from, from the box score perspective, but they're like, hey, we put, you know, we we did this. We went to we went to play Houston, and it wasn't great. Here's how we here's how we kind of keep ourselves accountable. But I I think this year we're kind of getting back to the old days of like kind of you know some reporters may have some information and others may not have a lot. That's really how this works, and it, so I don't want people to get kind of jaded. That this is normally what it is. It's not what it has been. Where people like you said, some of them you release videos from these from these things uh nowadays but i i'm i'm fine with it being quote a secret scrimmage it's not secret but a lot of the the what happened goes behind the scenes maybe we'll get some of that a little bit later so uh in the absence of a box score or an actual score or any of that kind of stuff i i will just go ahead and say it i i had some sources i have some people who are very very close to the team who who've told me a little bit about what happened on this. And and I was surprised. I, I I initially posted on Twitter. I was like, yeah, I heard that Duke won fairly comfortably. And and my tweet kind of blew up because no one else sort of had this info. So <laughs> uh kind of cool, kind of fun. So we got the poop, we got the lowdown here on the Duke basketball roundup. Uh there there's been some questions. There's some people who claim that Villanova won the scrimmage. My understanding is this. And again, I've, I've gotten this from multiple sources who would know. I'm just going to say it that way. These are people who would be aware of what happened. They've told me that when Duke was playing their regulars against the Villanova regulars, Duke was better. I'm going to say comfortably better. I, you know, I can't put a number on that because I, I was not given numbers. But Duke was better. However, when it got a little bit deeper down on the bench... Villanova started to come back. Essentially, you can take that as the, the you know, sort of deeper Villanova subs were better than the deep Duke subs. My understanding is that there wasn't, you know, a, a ton of like, let's keep score and make sure that everything is exactly as it would be in a regular game. You know, there was a lot of situational stuff that was done. There were referees obviously involved, but there was lots of situational kind of things that happened. And it would be entirely possible for someone to come away and think that Villanova won because of what happened after the starters sort of eased up or or were in, in many cases removed from the game. 
Um, and and again, my understanding is it was not a blow. It wasn't like Duke was beating them by 30 points, you know, or something silly like that. But that's that's our understanding of what happened in this game. It's a big deal for Duke, even though it's a meaningless game, you know, just to be able to test ourselves against another top team, a team from another conference. Duke's schedule gets tough immediately during the regular season. We play some really good teams in some really difficult places. We got to play Arkansas at Arkansas. Ugh. And and so it's good to have this kind of competition. And I'm sure the guys were super excited to be playing someone other than other than themselves. We've been, you know, we've been dicing through all the videotape and all that other kind of stuff. It has always been Duke against Duke for the first time for most of these guys, I think, as college players, you know, this season, they got to play someone who wasn't wearing D-U-K-E across the front of their shirt. And and that that's a good thing. And it's good to hear that they fared fairly well at it. Donald, your take on the secret scrimmage. I think it's great, you know, that we're hearing that they did super well, especially considering that Villanova is once again, you know, a top what 20 team, top 25 team, and is expected to be one of those teams in the thick of things at the end of the season. Like that, you want to go play some of these teams and you want to get a good result. I think the other thing that's great is that, as you mentioned, Jason, we're going to be playing some top teams. And a couple of them, you know, Arkansas, we play them on the road. Baylor, we play at the Garden. You know, Michigan State, we play at the United Center. So those involve travel and travel logistics and getting ready for a, quote, road trip, for a business trip, for a game. And so the fact that it took place right here in D.C., again, it's not a big road trip, but it's enough where you can get the logistics. You got to do the the hotels, the the, the flights. You, you saw the pictures of them leaving campus to get on the bus to go like those sort of things. And again, for the first time this season, this group gets to at least go through those motions and know how a regular road trip is going to look like, because we're going to have quite a few of them this year, uh, given, you know, where we're going for the non-conference schedule and also during ACC, uh, the, the meat of the ACC schedule. So I always appreciate when we can go on the road and win, because that is going to be a very important part of this particular season. I really hope uh, that this is the start of something great. And also that everyone emerged scot-free, no injuries, everyone's healthy, and we're ready for the season. Yeah, I think if anybody had gotten hurt, I would have heard about it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam, have, you got anything on this? Go ahead. I have one, I have one silly thing, which is that uh, I'm out on the AI-generated uh, images that Duke has been putting out. I think generally Duke social media does a great job, but the, uh, the, the AI cartoons I think are stupid. Uh, Clip just to kill the Duke. Clip of just to kill the Duke. Warning, what? warning. That just Wait, happened. Really? It just happened. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. Literally. <laughs> it just happened. He committed. He committed to Duke. It's I, official. So we, we, I was just making this point that I thought was fairly whatever. And Donald like <laughs> leapt out of his chair. And, you know, <laughs> And I was like, man, I didn't know that this was such a spicy take. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Slam Magazine. Slam. I'm looking at the cover. Slam Magazine has a cover of Cooper Flag in a Duke uniform. And it says, Cooper Flag pledges allegiance to the Brotherhood. Okay, wow. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news <laughs> <in my> <laughs> Luckily, I have my Cooper flag notes already. <laughs> Let me what turn. notes? We, what notes? I, told, I, I thought we were just going to yell for 30 minutes. This is great. <laughs> Wait, no, no, I have notes. I have notes. Hold on. 
Let me hold uh, on. Let me, let me let me go through Jason's notes. Uh, Cooper Flag is the number one player in the class of 2024. <laughs> uh, he's a forward with uh, skills all over the court, and Duke is thrilled to have him. Next. Okay. All right. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Here's what I got. Cooper Flag averaged. Are you ready for the numbers? People may have heard the numbers before. I'm going to give them to him again because the numbers are absurd. This is what he did at the Peach Jam. Peach Jam, for those of you who don't pay attention to recruiting, is where all the best recruits get together, play on their AAU teams, and they compete against each other. At the Peach Jam, Cooper Flag averaged 25.4 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, 5.7 assists per game, and get ready for the big number, people. 6.8 blocks per game. Seven That's blocks ridiculous. per game! He blocked seven shots per game! Wait, was that in... Hang on. This was in the... This was in the summer league, right? Yes, because if this was against the the main all stars, I'm not I'm not listening no. to these stats. No, this was against the best players in his class. Uh, he had one game where he went for 38 points, 16 rebounds, 12 blocks, and six assists. Yeah, I'm going to give those numbers again: 38 points, 16 rebounds, 12 blocked shots, and six assists. He had another game. Just so you know, that wasn't an outlier. He had another game. We went for 37, 12, 10 blocks and six assists. Dude was a walking quadruple double, like just waiting to put up 10 points plus in every category, but well, 25 points plus in scoring, you know, like outrageous. He hit better, almost 35% of his three pointers, 84% of his free throws, really good free throw shooter. He's a good shooter. Um, last year playing for Montverde, who's the best, you know, top one, two, three, high school team in the country. He hit better than 40% from three, 87% of his free throws at Montverde last year. I mean, unbelievable. And I'm going to give you the best thing on him. Ready? State of Maine. Cooper Flag. Do you guys know who the set? Cooper Flag is the best player ever to come out of the state of Maine. <laughs> Think about how rare that is to be the best player from your state. He's the best player ever from the state of Maine. Do you know who the second best player from the state of Maine is? Duncan Robinson, the guy who play, he plays for the Miami Heat. Duncan Robinson. Yeah, he went to Michigan. Yeah. Duncan Robinson's the second best player ever from the state of Maine. Maine has not produced a lot of good basketball players. <laughs> it's a, Look, it's a faraway place with not a strong basketball tradition. Okay? No. So um, The other uh, thing I, I, I mentioned about... I want to note go, that, yeah. that the, the tweet from Slam Magazine came out now 20 minutes ago, so we are late on this news. Like, we could have we could have had Twitter we open... We could have led the show with this. 10 <laughs> minutes earlier... Not quite. We did start recording about 35 minutes ago, but uh, we, we we could have been close. Uh, by the way, one thing I want to mention about him that is really important to note, uh, you know, there are questions about, you know, maybe who's going to be point guard for Duke next year. The assumption is Tyrese Proctor will be gone. No one knows if Caleb Foster, Jared McCain will be there. Duke has not recruited a point guard in the class of 2024. Um, I think one reason that Duke is really comfortable, whatever happens, is that Cooper Flag, frankly, even though he's 6'9 and blocks shots like, you know, like no recruit since Anthony Davis went to Kentucky. And I'm not, that's not hyperbole. I mean, like, seriously, Cooper Flag is, is the best defensive, best shot blocking prospect since AD, the brow, was at Kentucky. But he he really is a point forward. I mean, folks may remember sort of the way Grant Hill played at Duke. It's very possible that Cooper Flag is going to play that kind of way in college. 
Jason, did you just say folks might remember the way Grant Hill played in college? <laughs> Grant Hill graduated almost 30 years ago. Well, I remember it. <laughs> I was there. I was watching it. I wasn't there. I don't remember. I don't remember Grant Hill at Duke. That's a that that's my bad. It's fine, dude. I'll just <laughs> I'll just tell you that Cooper Flag has the potential to be that kind of player that at Montverde and for his AAU team from Maine United, he he plays like a point forward. He brings the ball up the floor. They initiate and start all the offense through him. I want to. No, give you, I, I can keep talking about this guy for an hour and a half. Can I? Can I give you a, a, a take that I'm seeing online? Because I now I'm just refreshing my Twitter. Uh, Brendan Marks, yeah. uh, friend of the show and of the Athletic. Uh, somebody asked Brendan Marks on Twitter uh, on a scale of one to Zion, how excited should I be? And Brendan Marks's response was, "I would argue Flag is coming into college with more hype." Or at least more widespread name brand recognition than Zion or even Paulo Bancaro. Different, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Zion is the better. That's absolutely athlete, true. But Flag yeah. is a much de better defender, and I'd argue a better finished product. So, I, I I'm just looking. I also looking at at Twitter. Um, Duke men's basketball has put out the another one video, obviously, but they also put out an AI photo, uh, AI picture oh, of the Blue Devil. I was saying it on the on the moon, huh? I. Yeah. I ugh. The AI photos are weird. I'm out. Yeah, out but that. but it's it's him, and it says "Pledge Allegiance" in all caps, and he is obviously planting a flag onto the surface that says Duke basketball. That should tell you everything that they can at least say about this uh, with those two videos. But Jason, you were talking about the you know the fact that he's a point forward. We might be getting back to, or at least you know next year, we might have this opportunity where you have three or four guys on the floor that can bring the ball up, which. Yeah, poses fits for opposing teams because they don't know how to guard you when, oh, we'll just stop this guy. Oh, wait, that guy can bring the ball. Oh, we'll just stop him too. Oh, wait, this other guy can bring the ball. We'll just stop the three of them. Oh, wait, Cooper Flagg can bring the ball up. Like, There's going to be a lot of times where this may make it where we run a little bit more because, again, you don't have to worry about getting the ball to your primary ball handler because you're going to have th maybe three or four on the floor at the same time. I think that's a a very dangerous proposition for the rest of the ACC and the rest of the nation, because I don't know that they want to line up against a team that has everybody. And then again, arguably the best player in high school right now, also being able to bring the ball up and take matters into his own hands. Uh, one thing I'll note about the timing, we said at the top that, you know, we, we knew that he delayed this quote unquote decision um, because of the tragedy in Maine last week. Something tells me that they made this decision a while ago because Slam uh, Magazine not only had the cover with the with the photos and everything, um, but I see that they've already got the shirts on sale. Like this yep. thing was this thing was ready to go. <laughs> so the, the premium covers with the gold, yeah, the, the gold letters. Covers, everything. If yep. you want, if you want Cooper Flag Duke merchandise from Slam Magazine, it is very available. In fact, by the time you listen to this, it might be sold out. <laughs> hey, last thing I want to say about Cooper Flag. He he's a winner. And he makes the players around him better. And there is perhaps nothing more significant you can say about a player than that, that he makes the guys around him better. I want to point out, uh, so we mentioned he plays for Maine United. Um, th th that is an AAU program that had never been to the Peach Jam, never been sort of to the elite of the AAU world prior to Cooper Flag taking them there. Um, not only did they make the AAU, the Peach Jam, they, they made it all the way to the final game 
they ended up losing to the, the to the boozers team in the final game but they were routinely beating teams that had like three four sometimes even five top hundred prospects on them the rest of the main united team other than cooper flag there isn't a single other guy who's who's currently a ranked prospect by 24 7 in fact uh cooper flag's brother ace flag who's who played pretty well at the peach jam and has opened up some eyes and actually has has an offer from west virginia he also has an offer from gw he's really the only other guy on the team who has a, a significant division one offer it is it's unheard of for a for an aau team with this little talent to do as well as they did and again that's cooper flag and i love the fact that he chose to play for them rather than playing for one of these other stud teams you know filled with other guys who who are going to be you know top 10 top 20 top 30 prospects he went no i'm playing with my friends i'm playing with my buddies and we are going to play like a team and beat all of you other all-star teams and that's what they did right up until the peach jam finals he makes the guys around him better i it, it's unbelievable that duke is getting this guy he he is the most highly touted prospect to come to duke since rj barrett people forget how highly touted R.J. Barrett was. But Cooper Flagg is the biggest recruit at Duke since R.J. Barrett and maybe is even bigger than R.J. Barrett. May have to go back to, I don't know, Jalil Okafor or Jabari Parker. I don't know. It's It's been a long time since Duke's had a guy this good coming coming into our program. And to kind of put a bow in this, like the, the domino effect starts now. You know, there's still guys that are out there that are going to start making decisions based on where Cooper Flag goes. And I know a lot of them probably expected him to pick Duke, but it's still now that they're official. Now we wait on Pat and Gongba, VJ Edgecomb, guys who were actively like, hey, Coop, what's up, man? We going to we going to Canada together and clearly enjoying enjoying the vibes together. Uh, maybe the dominoes that next fall could be one of those two guys or both of them deciding they want to play with Cooper Flag. Because I know some guys out there might be saying, hey, look, this guy is so good that I want to play with guys that great. I want to get better by playing with one of the best players to ever come out of high school. Duke is building the whole roster next year out of wings. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's an interesting strategy. We'll see if it pays off. Well, uh, Cooper Flag really, even though he can play on the wing, I mean, he's going to he's gonna be a power forward for you for the most part. He actually technically was playing center for the most part for Maine United, but... Uh, he, he's a power forward. That's where he's going to play in the NBA, even though he's going to block every damn shot there is. It's just his, his ability to anticipate and get off the floor and block shots. It's just, uh, look, we were spoiled. We had Derek Lively. Before that, we had Mark Williams. I'm not sure if those guys are better shot blockers than Cooper Flagg. They're longer and they were taller, but I'm not, they're, they're not better yeah, shot blockers. I was going to say, Mark Williams has like five inches on him. Don't matter, baby. I mean, th- his timing... I- his Can't timing wait. and his explosion. It's special. All right. That's gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We didn't really have anything else. Suddenly we got Cooper Flag. Wow. What you don't want to talk about Duke getting shut out in football? No, Duke got shut out in football by uh by Louisville. It was a terrible game. Guys, by the way, I'll tell you something. So I had recorded that game. Um, I was busy during the day. Look, as you know, I, I work for CNN and we've been I've been working a lot of extra stuff, working a lot of weekends. And I was busy working, and so I was gonna watch the game later on. And, and I, I was trying to avoid texts and things like that. And I accidentally saw something that was like worst Duke performance in like three years. And I went, Oh, I checked the score and I went, I'm not going to watch. Nope. So I missed it. First, Duke I, football I game I've missed all year. Glad you I missed, missed it. 
you missed uh, a lot of Duke attempting to tackle Louisville and failing to tackle. Now that the uh, that running back for Louisville is is incredible. I talked about him in in the in the in the preview. I was like, but, uh, yeah. he was questionable and in, in, in ended up being a gamer. And man, there was there game. was no question. It's <laughs> a, no a question. Game. It, 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 it's especially shocking given how good. Duke's defense has been this year, especially at wrapping guys up in the backfield. And there was no wrapping Louisville up in the backfield on Saturday. That was, I think, was really disappointing. I think the main thing to take from that game is that at this point, Duke is probably out of any contention. Yeah, there's still outside chance for them to make the ACC title game, but that that is a very yeah, remote possibility not. at this point because the the the, the their destiny is not in their own hands. They're going to need Louisville and Florida State to both lose, or not even Florida State, but they need Louisville to lose twice now because Louisville will have the tiebreaker of them. That's just a tall task considering how well this Louisville team is playing. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's going to wrap it up on episode 548 of the Duke Basketball Roundup, the Cooper Flag Live Reaction episode. Man, I wish folks could see. Maybe I'll, maybe we should try and post that video of Donald jumping out of his chair. <laughs> Sam was like mid-sentence. I thought Donald was upset at what Sam was saying. I was yeah, like, ah. I, I couldn't well, believe it. I said something so controversial. My bad. My bad. I had to. I just. I saw the tweet. I saw the, not the tweet, but my uh, my best friend sent the text like, "There it is," and I was like, "There's what is?" And I click open my uh, Twitter and saw the tweet right up top, and I was like, "That, sorry, gotta react." Awesome. It was fun. All right. Again, that wraps it up for Donald, for Sam. I'm Jason. Five forty eight in the books. Duke band, play us out and take us home to Cooper Flagland. I've been up for a long while. Why have you been up for so long? I I had a red eye last night from uh, San Diego, and it landed an hour early, which you'd think would be, yo, that's cool. But landing an hour early means I landed at like four fifteen. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to stay in the air for another hour. Yeah, I'd like to get another hour of sleep, please. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that the, the that's the one flight where I'm like, it's fine. Just sit on the. Are we gonna be late? That sounds great. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hear that. I was flying to Europe recently and our flight got in like an hour early and we were already going to like, we were getting in at like 9 AM or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and our hotel room wasn't we ready till noon. And so instead we got it at 8 AM. I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the like jet stream is super strong because they basically said we had a tailwind of like 80 miles an hour when normally it's like 25 to 30, which is why, you know, it takes like, a little no. <laughs> yeah, so he heard that, and like you, I, he heard he said that, and the, like the entire plane had this look, like, wait, that's that's not normal. And he's like, yeah, it's not normal. So we're gonna be landing in about four hours. Everyone's like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> my flying bed. Don't take away my flying bed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>